Hey everybody, this is Gary at Hoops and Cards. Welcome back. Episode 2, here we go. It's our first ever featured guest. Want to bring in other voices, you know, hear from all around the country or the world and all about the hobby investing adventure of basketball cards. So today, gosh, I'm so excited to welcome Andrew Goldberg from Lucas Tigers and Bronze. Oh my, one of my favorite podcasts. I hope you'll check it out. So here we go with a Q&A on today's basketball card market. All right, guys, excited to welcome Andrew Goldberg from Lucas Tigers and Bronze. Oh, my, man, it's great to have you with us here on Hoops and Cards as we as we kick things off. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Gary. Uh, true pleasure. I love your setup over there. I hope we're going to broadcast the video out there. But thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Yeah, well, I, I got attracted to your podcast, Anything with LeBron, I'm up for Good. And uh, Luca has just stolen my heart and some of my money over the last year. So, <laughs> dude, I would love to hear about your your journey into like basketball cards, but especially like into this podcast. Like, how did this all come about for, for those of us that are new or just have heard the name Lucas Tigers and Bronze? Oh, my. How'd you guys get into this? Well, um, good fortune. That's first off, because uh, I couldn't do this podcast with that just by myself. I have an amazing co-host. He goes by uh, Cage Lawyer. But uh-huh. I've always wanted to have a voice. I think we all actually kind of all want to have a voice, whether that's through art, graphics, video, or just audio. I think we all want to share our story. There comes a point where you're like, wow, like my life's, you know, it's interesting to me. And I want to share some of the things I've learned, the wins and the losses. And, and you know, I'm a man of faith. So like service is the, the best thing you could offer the world, right? Like, uh, helping other people. There's no, nothing else out there that, that could fulfill that void. So I wanted to create a podcast using the things I do well. So sports cards are interesting because I love sports and I love selling. I really, really enjoy the process of selling things. And I've always had a success selling things online, right? So like even from being like a, a kid, I would buy up my uh, friend's old uh, cleats, send them to Nike. Nike would give me a refund and I would sell gift certificates. So it was just like nice. a little hustle. I grew up in a small business. My dad's a small business owner. So I grew up being like the barista in his cafe and, you know, helping people choose their order. But it was it was a level of sales. Um, but fast forward, I was 26, 27. I worked for Gary Vaynerchuk on his team. Uh, worked there for six months, did sales for him, uh, left. And then we kind of had to regroup, right? So... I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. I started taking real estate classes and this was last year in January when it was just the beginning of sports cards, but it wasn't as hyped up as it is now. Right. It was you know, yeah. kind of like preseason, so to speak. And I was just like, well, I'm taking real estate classes. Why not just start kind of investing in sports cards? And Zion was my first investment, the Zion Prism cards. Uh, so I, I looked on eBay. I saw that the PSA 10s were selling for 500. I went on Mercari and I saw that the raw cards were selling for 50 bucks then. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy the raw card, send it to PSA, see what happens. So I didn't have a ton of money then, but I invested like 500 bucks into all Zion Prism cards. He came back. He had that huge, huge game against the Spurs. His cards went up a lot. <laughs> they were $80 <laughs> now for a Prism. When, yeah. And yeah, we just started kind of flipping these 
raw cards, some grade, some flipping. And I fell in love like from day one. I was like, wow, this is so much fun. This is, it was kind of a crossover between the things I love to do and the things I'm good at. Uh, and I started doing that. COVID hit. I got a little bit panicky, sold a few of the cards that I, I bought. But then like literally overnight, there was a correction, right? It was, I don't know if you remember yeah. COVID. Uh, when it first started, it was like March 16th. Everyone was panicking. So like yeah. for that week, people were sell, sell, sell. And then somehow the hobby just rebooted. It actually was the biggest uh, kind of gasoline on the fire. Uh, <laughs> yep. Luckily, I couldn't sell everything because I had a lot of cards at PSA. Anyway. I was going to ask, by the way, how long did your first submission take to get back from PSA? Do I want to bring that up? <laughs> it took <laughs> okay. a while. What I did really well, and I think a lot of people don't do this, apparently, is have rolling submissions. So I didn't wait till I could sub, you know, 100 cards at once. I would sub 5, 10 uh, through a friend. You know, we would just have like weekly, monthly submissions. I would send him cards. He would sub them. So they would come back uh, sporadically. And that those submissions allowed me to reinvest. But in July, you know, I was always in this Instagram group with Gary V and some of his team members and Cage was in it. And the hobby was kind of starting to explode in July. And we were like, why don't we start a podcast? Next day, I sent Cage a Zoom link. We started an episode. Um, it was origin. You could even go back on our account and just listen to the first one. I'm curious what people think. Uh, and then it just took off. You know, it was just one of those things that had stickiness. Uh, people loved it. People embraced it. And yeah, I guess that's all she wrote. But now we're just growing and you know, we feel a commitment to the audience to continue to help them, continue to serve them, share, you know, some of the stories and experiences that worked for us. Cage has 30 years of experience, so his wisdom and insight is even more valuable. So nice. it's, it's been a blessing. And he's got a strong accent, too. I, I love listening to you guys because it feels like we're just in the room, you know, hanging out um, like I used to do with guys in the dorm. We're watching the NBA. We're talking smack. Um you know, sharing ideas and jokes and, and you're ripping on each other. It just is just real. You know what? At what point did you feel like, man, this is I, I could do this every day. Are we we want to keep this going? That makes sense. A hundred percent. So, well, first things first, man, uh, I'm a college athlete and I think a lot of people don't understand. It's not about going to be a college athlete to be pro. Great. That's an amazing accomplishment. But the discipline to do something every day is uh one of the most important disciplines that is now avoided, right? Like even think about our work week, right? Like we're trained five days on, two days, just lay on the couch, do nothing. Well, it's not the reality of life. You've got to live seven days, 24 hours a week. So it's really important to one, have the discipline to do everything, every something every day. But two, if you love it, it's not always that hard, right? There are still some days that are grind, but if you love it, it will pull, not push you through. Uh, so with soccer and with this, I've always wanted to do it. Some days you're sore, some days you're tired, some days you don't want to get out of bed and you just want to watch Netflix all day. But uh, what pulled me through is how much I really enjoy this and how much I'm committed to sharing my story and helping others learn from my mistakes and my victories. Yeah, and along the way, your story uh, evolves. Like what things, I'd be curious in this roller coaster year, what things have you learned, whether it's about yourself or about the hobby, like, like, for example, for me, um, I am, I'm such a sports nut and I like to be on the early end of adopting new ideas or new products. And sometimes I chase my FOMO too far and regret it. Like this year when the new hoops dropped, I'm like, 
I'm pull, I'm not going in. I'm not spending two fifty. You're not spending eighty dollars for Lamelo. Look what he is now. You know, but but there is such a FOMO thing that if you're not self aware, right? <laughs> this, this you can drown in this. And so I'm just curious, what things have you learned about yourself and even just strategies when it comes to basketball cards over the year? Well, the one thing I learned that's really cool, and you kind of know it, but there's a difference between knowing and experiencing is that people actually like when you're vulnerable. And what I mean is people really enjoy when you share your losses. So like in the last few weeks, I've been trying to learn day trading and I've been getting smashed. And I talk about that on the podcast and people appreciate it because more than likely, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one on Robinhood who has opportunity to invest some extra disposable income. You know, they might've bought into GM, GME, GameStop or AMC too late and they, they lost some money and they appreciate that. Uh, so I knew that vulnerability works just from reading books, but like, it's really cool when you are sharing something that, you know, it's not embarrassing, but no one wants to hear, like, I don't always want to share my losses. All right. I want to be, I'm like, I'm winning, I'm winning. Uh, but the losses people really resonate with. And I'll, I'll tell you with FOMO, I get FOMO when it comes to trading stocks. I don't get FOMO with cards. And I find that FOMO comes when you don't fully understand the investment. When you don't fully understand, like Top Shop, people get FOMO, but they don't get it, right? Because if they got it, then they'd be like, this is fun. I would enjoy this. Or this isn't my vibe. I'm going to go make my money elsewhere. But when but FOMO comes when you start uh, kind of keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. When you see people on social media, on, on Twitter posting, oh, my God, like my portfolio went up 50x or whatever. And then you're like, oh, I missed out. I'm going to jump in now. Uh, yeah. So. I've been getting FOMO with the stock market. I don't get it with cards, actually, fortunately. Do you get it with players? Because, like, I'm a basketball fan. And so the other night, like, SGA goes off for 42. And I'm like, I'm on eBay five minutes later looking for a deal because I know he's going to stay good. He's the centerpiece of the franchise. And he just, you know, sometimes I, in my, I get there's a correlation between how a guy plays and what his card's going to be worth. But sometimes I can rush in. I'm not big on SGA from an investment perspective. Yeah. I love him as a player. So it, it, that's where I don't actually get FOMO when it comes to basketball investing, just because I watch a lot of NBA. I love NBA and I love watching the card market. I just don't see a lot of premium buyers of SGA cards for whatever yeah. reason. Like some people say that's because his Prism card doesn't have that rookie stamp. I don't know what it is. I held a few SGA cards and no matter how well or poorly he performed, his cards really did not move too much. Right. Yeah. And uh, so if you know that, you know that SGA is going to be good, but it doesn't feel like the market is there yet. I'm curious though, if in the off season, like the Thunder are overperforming in my opinion this year, right? Like yeah. they have yeah. nobody and they're still, they have the same record as the Hawks, frankly. And they just beat the Hawks. I'm curious what they could do in the offseason. But small market, SGA doesn't get a ton of like hobby love. I'm, I don't know. I stay away. Yeah. Well, and here's, here's the thing. Like this, this season, I mean, safer money into LeBron's, Michael, Kobe, it seems like, right? Everybody going for vintage or pre-modern. And at the same time, I'm, I'm curious this to segue a little bit into the basketball card market of this season. What about the guys who maybe are under the radar and yet 
they're going to have an awesome future. Like somebody this year is going to scoop up a lot of, whether it's Julius Randle or Lugens Dort. There's, there's a name I heard a lot on your podcast this week. Like some of these guys that, that, that most dealers are collectors. If you don't follow basketball, you don't know Malik Beasley. You don't know right. some of these guys that are having breakout seasons. And yet maybe that's part of my FOMO. Like I want, I want to be on the next all-star train or the next MVP candidate. I've never had success day trading in sports cards, Gary. And I'll tell you, and this is why Top Shop, by the way, and Starstock are so good. Because think about it. Like, let's say I wanted to buy a, a Lugat's door card, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say it's a $5 card. But I have to pay $3.99 for shipping and probably another $0.50 cents for tax. Now, you're sitting there thinking on the other end, that's not a big deal. It's a huge deal. It is. Now, my $5 card has become a $10 card, and I need it to go to... 12, 13, 14, $15 to even make any profit, that's a 3X multiplier. That means a $5 card has to go to 15X. It's, it's unsustainable. Like I, there's nothing I could do to day trade that card. But if you go on StarStock and I buy a loot dork card for $5, it's in my account for $5. Now I could sell it for 10 and double my money. No shipping, no taxes. That's a big deal. I think that's a huge deal that's not talked about. Like why Topshot and StarStock have the potential to take off it's that people could trade these assets like stocks versus when previously they would kind of buy the good they'd have to get it shipped it's changing from a good to an asset and for higher end cards ebay is perfect and all those marketplaces but for the day trading aspect it's really difficult yeah boy and i've fallen in love with starstuck over the last month i I think it's gonna be huge i think it's gonna be huge when it's made for baseball. It's actually perfectly made for baseball season, right? Like these underrated prospects, everyone used to invest in like the Bowman prospect cards, right? Uh-huh. $1, $2, $3. And that prospect gets called up and now that's an $8 card. That's a huge, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Do you watch The Office, Gary? The yeah, show? of course. You ever see the, um, the, the, when they have the, what's it called? The, the kind of like the flea market, the garage sale where Dwight comes in with, uh, the tack, and he's gonna, he wants to trade that tack all the way for a microscope. But just, yes, yes, you guys talked about this as well. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you can start with almost nothing, right, and just build that snowball. I'm curious to hear about like some star stock or top shot success stories. Like, I deposited fifty dollars, and I turned that into a, a hobby box or a, a box of a blaster prism, for example. Like I took a $50 investment. I turned it into a Giannis PSA 10, which they now have on their platform. So- yeah. I'd be curious too. Like, like you're right. You save money on shipping, all those things. You um, it's instant. You can flip within the course of a game or, you know, within a half hour um, you can put in low offers. And if someone jumps in and decides to accept your 10 cent offer for the Darius Garland mosaic rookies, like you, you can just get, cheap deals on cards. I, do you think, and, and maybe this is like a generational thing or a, or just a traditional cards. You think some people are hesitant because they want to hold the card. They want to see it or display it or show it off at a show. Like, do you think the physical card will still be a draw or do you think, yeah, a year from now, nobody will be, we'll all be on star stock and Comsi. I think it's both. I really think it's both. There's a few things. People still like to hold the card. There, there is those people that are like, I just want to have the card, the asset. Um, adoption is hard too, Gary. Like, 
it's not easy to get people onto Top Shot. Like they've had an insane success, but changing people's behavior is a difficult thing, right? And like, oh, hey, here's a card. It's a digital card, but like you could never really hold it. It's difficult. Some of the younger kids, I think like, you know, 30, 33 and under have adopted it because they get it and, you know, they've made some money on crypto and things like that. Uh, but I think it's both. I think it's both for sure. Okay, Top Shot, if you were to explain, like if you were to explain to a total newbie with cards, what what is it? How has it taken over in the last, what, four weeks, six weeks it's become? And then what is it now? Because I, like I said, I, I talked to you earlier about being like, I, I recognize something that new new with potential, but I'm not the first to jump in. And this morning I was on on Top Shot. I'm like, I see you know, a Darius Baisley series two for 24 bucks. Should I jump in and start buying stuff? Or should I be like, dude, you missed the wave. Like, like wait till you really get what this thing is. I think it's just a trading game. Like I think it's uh at its core, it's a trading game. Simply put it's I'll even leave it there. It's yeah. a trading game. And what's confusing though, is if you go to like the website, you'll see like a Darius Baisley moment is $24, right? They put the dollar sign, but it's not $24. It's 24 tokens. It's no different than if you go okay. to an arcade, you know, you come to the arcade, you buy, you put $50 in and you get all those gold coins, right? And then you could play ski ball, you could play the super soaker game and you get little tickets and you could yeah. redeem those tickets for like a big stuffed bear if you come with your girlfriend or like a super soaker gun or like a Nerf football. So that's how I see it with Top Shot. Like most people deposited money and bought packs, right? For $9 a pack or a hundred dollars a pack when it was first the beginning. But then those $9 packs turned into one, two, 3000 tokens, but they're put dollar signs of moments. And now their $9 are within this ecosystem of top shot worth 2000. And now they could start trading, you know, they could sell those moments and buy one LeBron moment, or they could sell those moments and buy a hundred Darius Baisley moments. And within that is the gamification. And then they do amazing things that say, if you collect these 10 moments, it's like a challenge, Mm -hmm. we'll give you an 11th moment. So it's this gamification of the sports card hobby. That simplifies trading in the sense that I could list the card, you purchase it with your tokens and it's in your vault in seconds and it's in my, and the balance, the money is in my account in seconds so I could go and reuse it instantly. It's this instant trading where with sports cards, PayPal, who holds your money, eBay, who holds your money, USPS, who's shipping your cards. You don't know if they're going to damage them. It's just this whole barrier to simple trading that I think Top Shot has completely removed. Yeah. And boy, this conversation has helped some of the the things that are like in real time, they can be small inconveniences like paying sales tax or paying for shipping or waiting like I sold a, a Luca second year prism to a guy in Missouri and it took six weeks to get there. Like to waiting for the with USPS, these, these online platforms speed it all up and, and make it, uh, yeah, more, it's just more fun, <laughs> less distraction, easier way to make money. Um, so, so top shot. Um, I mean, it sounds like you see this trend, like, we're still at the very beginning of something much bigger. It's not going to be where 
I've heard you've heard people say this. Oh, but I can see those clips on YouTube. <laughs> I can, you know, you, you don't have ownership rights to a 30 second video, right, but right. you, you do. You can't trade the clip. You, like I yeah. can take a picture of, of the card. I can print out a Michael Jordan Fleer, but no one's going right. to trade me. And everything is trade. Like people don't even realize when you go and you put money, like you go to your grocery store, you give your US dollars, you're trading for groceries. Right. Everything is a trade. So like and any currency is backed by trust. It's, it's a really hard concept for people to understand that their money isn't worth anything except for the trust. I always circle back to, uh, do you remember Dumb and Dumber, the first one? Love it. Yes, Love it. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. They, yeah. they find the briefcase. <laughs> Uh, he tries to return it to her. They accidentally crack it open and there's like a million bucks in there. And Jim Carrey's like, no, we have to, we, we have to get this back to her. And his friend, I can't remember his name. Uh, Lloyd. Yeah. Lloyd. Lloyd. And they're like, let's spend it, but we're good. We have to keep good track. We're going to put an IOU in to the briefcase. And at the end, they have all of these IOUs. Uh huh. That's all that the U.S. dollar is. It's saying that, hey, hold this dollar. And the U.S. government backs it saying, that you could exchange this dollar for something at a later date. Right. Really just based on trust. So you see Top Shot as a trading market with more of a future because of NBA licensing and the limited editions and the, you know, the players that are, that are like showing off their own highlights already. There's three things probably that, so the NBA licensing is huge. No other sports ever done something like that. That's pretty insane. Second is how many actually the NBA players are getting involved. So you have right. like an influencer, uh, Mark. And the third is the, I'd say the founding team, you know, the executive team. So what's cool is if you listen to Roham, they built this thing called CryptoKitties about two, three years ago, 2017. It was a success in its own right, but it wasn't the most successful. But what they did was that they used that experience to go back to the drawing board and make Top Shot that much better. And that's important. You know what I mean? Like you're, a, a company is only as good as its team and a team that has experience, went back, learned and improved is huge. So like those three things are why I'm a believer in Top Shot, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a believer in the insane values that we're seeing on the Top Shot market. Those are two different things. Yeah. Top Shot could exist, but it's entirely plausible that we'll never see you know, the whale vault, whatever his name is, at a portfolio of $35 million value. Like, as more NFTs, as more moments, as more companies come out, there might be kind of like, it might scatter a little bit more, but I'm a believer in Top Shot, like as a brand, yes. I, I was going to ask you too about a big, big news this week was PSA and the pricing and the change, you know, some of the announcements that they made. And part of, part of the reason I'm asking you is, you know, a year ago, this was part of your start, part of your mm -hmm. story, buying Zions and grading them and everything. And like, I, I realized probably six months in to returning the cards. Yeah, if I could start submitting cards to PSA, there's a chance this could be really profitable or they'll just ensure that my card is mint. They, they it's, it's, it's like legit and I'll hold on to it for a long time. And uh, so I have like, I have three submissions that I'm waiting on. I'm glad I got them in before the price changes you know, all that stuff. But I'm also now wondering, uh, boy, what is this going to do to the other, to the rest of the market? Um, like, for example, I saw some low pop PSA nine and 10 Julius Randles this morning that were listed way higher than they were a week ago because of the low pop and anybody that wants to get them graded now, you know, you're paying double or you're waiting a year. And, um, 
And at the same time, like you said, Starstock, there's another source that's that's in essence grading a raw card, setting a better value, or at least giving you some assurance that this card is nice when I'm buying it, right? I, I'm just curious how you see both what PSA is doing and how you see just um, in whether it's investors or collectors re- reacting to what grading options are out there. So two, I'm going to look at it two different ways. I just throw like five questions at at once. (laughs) This is a great question, but I'm going to answer it two different ways. One as a small business owner, right? Like as a business owner, how I feel about it. And then as an investor, as a business owner, I hate them with everything in my heart. I hate PSA a little bit, a lot less than I hate BGS. They don't care about their customers. Yeah. And as a small business owner, being an immigrant that came here, my dad opened up a store. The only way we survive is by caring about our customers. So it breaks every single fundamental principle that I believe within myself that the customer, you should take care of them. Uh, PSA does a decent job. I understand their challenges. BGS, I wish they would go out of business, not because I dislike them, but because of how fair that would be. The way that they treat customers uh, to me is is a disgrace, frankly. Like the fact that you could have a 10-day submission from July, not get it back, but then they have the arrogance to raise prices without giving even a update of, right. hey, guys, like this is what we're trying to do to catch up, you know? So they're cryptic on how we're going to add value and they're just raising prices and they're not even giving you an update on the things that they have in grading with you. To me, that's a disgrace. As an investor, man, you just got to adapt. I, I, no, no one, you know, they say hope is not a strategy, right? Uh, and, and Dwayne Wade, when he was on the Cavs, actually. Uh, for a minute, right? For a minute. But he said this. When you yeah. guys were struggling, he said, no one's coming to save us. Remember that quote? Yeah. Um, no one's coming to help you as an investor. Like, no one's going to be like, Andrew, don't worry about it, man. Like, it's okay. Like, no one's going to do that. They're, the market is the market. and It's just going to... Uh, react to what's going on yeah uh, and adam smith uh, always talks about the invisible hand of the market adapt as an investor you just gotta adapt as a small business owner i wish that there was competition that took care of them uh and yeah that, that's what i would say about that and you know what came to mind when you were mentioning their lack of care and response to the customer and their needs I remember in January getting a couple of emails from Starstock saying, hey, we're so sorry. We're behind on uploading some of your submissions. Here's a $20 credit to your account. I'm like, that's awesome. They pay attention and they did something to show that they cared. I thought that was cool. And so maybe the competition for some of these places isn't going to come in the form of another physical grader, but just other places like you're saying where smart investors are going to adjust or adapt thing that killed the horse industry was cars, right? So like what hurts grading companies might not be a better grading company. It might be NFTs and star stock. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's not, it might not always be the solution that's kind of right in front of you. It might be this external solution over here. Yeah. And, and it's just customers want to know that you care about them. Like I, yeah. I think that's a basic premise, like a gift certificate's awesome. But even just the statement saying, guys, we're doing our best. These are the four things that we're doing because you're our priority. Uh, Just know this is where your money's going. That's huge. Yeah. And dude, you could say the same about your podcast listeners, the community you guys are building. Like you and I just met. But as a listener, I feel like you care about us. You and Cage, you're you're like real. 
right? You're sharing real life, your opinions, your thoughts, your frustrations. And, uh, you know, I just so thrilled that you joined us today on Hoops and Cards. I'd love to hear you talk just a little bit about what's next for you guys, for the podcast, for Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My, maybe how people could connect with you. I love the weekly Star Stock episode that you guys are doing now. I think that's great. We're learning so much just from being a part of it. So thanks. I, we don't know any other way. Like we don't come from a lot. Uh, so if we didn't care about our customer, like what would we even have? If we didn't care about our listener or community, what would we have? So mm-hmm. I appreciate you taking notice to that. And I think we're going to lean into that even more because uh, we're just scratching the surface. I'm 30, 31. Yeah, I'm 31. And part of me, I love the personality of like being a podcaster, but I really love like business operations. Like I love business. Um, And what's next for us is I want to build out a network of content creators, uh, sort of like a barstool sports model for sports cards, where it's not just the Cage and I show, not just the Luca show, it's a Luca network. And, you know, we have a show about, you know, a catch all show, kind of what we do daily. Uh, we have a deep dive with some of the market movers in the space, like mm-hmm. uh, you know Gary V, Adam Lefko, Nat Turner, um, Patrick Bet David. These are all guys I'd love to get on, and we've had some on, and we, we're going to have more on in the future. Uh, an arm or channel about NFTs. I'd love to get uh, a woman anchor to yeah. start talking to the woman community because women love investing. Women are better investors, frankly, than men because we're way too. <laughs> We take on way too much risk and women are much more practical in general, but I would love to start speaking to the women community because if I was, I have a sister, she's 21 years old. If she wanted to get into sports cards in any way, sports cards, Pokemon, whatever. Right. uh, Marvel. Yeah. Who's going to speak to her? Who can she learn from? She doesn't want to hear Cage and his, you know, Brooklyn access talking about bagels and Andrew, you know, talking (laughs) about GameStop. She wants to, she wants to resonate with a young girl. So I want more diversity on our, on our network. And that's something that I'm definitely trying to find is more showrunners. But then there's the other side of the coin, which is having a good content machine, content system, right? So when someone records an episode, we go back and it's like, it's like the kitchen, right? Like someone orders something and we have a kitchen that could go. Yeah, what's in your kitchen? How do you, what's, how do you guys do this? <laughs> a lot, it's good I opened up that can. Go ahead. No, no. It's, it's just at the end of the day, it's good people right? Like you're only going to be as successful as your team. Uh, What we do is it's the, um, what I'd recommend a listener to do or you is to go and do the Gary V content model. Cause he, he's kind of the OG. He's, he's a very smart guy. Gary is. Uh, And he basically talks about how one piece of pillar content, which you could talk about like a podcast can be dissected into a ton of little micro moments that you can share across the web. Now, of course, there's nuance to this, uh, but that's basically what we do. We take one long form podcast and we Mm -hmm. cut it into little smaller moments and then we distribute it on a newsletter on our Instagram page, on Twitter, uh, et cetera, et cetera, cetera, TikTok and all those platforms. So really, that's equally as important because that's how people start finding out about you. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Andrew, it's been great. Thank you so much for joining us on the Hoops and Cards podcast. Uh, love your podcast. Can't wait to hear the, the next episodes, but appreciate all you guys do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. I'm a big fan. Thank you.
All right, everybody, that was Andrew Goldberg. So cool to see what they're doing at Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. I hope you go check them out, man. Subscribe to their podcast. Again, that weekly Star Stock episode, and just to listen to the guys, these guys rip on each other uh, and, and share ideas. It is a blast. Uh, you will learn some things. You'll have fun. And connect with these guys, too, on Instagram. Down to Earth, just trying to navigate both what is a hobby we love and an investing opportunity. I mean, Andrew gave a lot of good insights. I felt like some of that was uh, just economics there about uh, the trading market and the different opportunities and, and even just the the, the thoughts about uh, what companies you'll invest in and what platforms you'll use when it comes to basketball card investing. Like, will they will they save you on all those extra costs? Will they take care of you? Uh, is, is delivery quick? Like, can you trust them? And all that stuff's super important. So I hope you find this helpful. Please subscribe to our podcast and check out Hoops and Cards. Feel free to email me any questions or feedback. Uh, love it. The, the opportunity, really, just the, the, the new world of basketball cards and, and so many opportunities. So I'd love to meet you. Give us a shout out at Hoops and Cards on Instagram and Hoops and Cards podcast at gmail.com. Guys, thanks. It's been real.